You are listening to the Small World Podcast with me, Detanga Small. On this show, I want to provide a soapbox for travelers to tell their stories. This all started in January of 2014 when I first traveled abroad by myself. Throughout the next two years, I visited and lived in over 20 countries. But surprisingly, my most vivid memories weren't the beautiful sights of the Machu Picchu or the history of countries in Eastern Europe. It was about the people that I met on the road and the stories that they told me. That's why I started this podcast, to provide a platform so that those stories can be told to a bigger audience. And for you, the listener, to hear perspectives about the world that you may not have considered before. So without further ado, let's get the show started. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the other side. Good morning from Toronto. It's 9 a.m., and I'm feeling a bit tired as usual, but it's for a very good reason. We're having another episode of the Small World Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking with Carl Cassis, an entrepreneur and avid traveler who lives in Toronto, but when you hear his voice, you'll understand that he wasn't originally from here. And he has quite a few stories to tell and quite a few things to talk about in the world of travel. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Carl Cassis to the show. Thank you for being here, Carl. No problem, man. How's it going? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a bit tired. I actually <laughs> missed out on coffee this morning. But uh, oh man, I'm sorry. And I have, you know it's instant, so like it's it's not even like one of those espresso machines or anything. So <laughs> it's something I just have to get used to. I need one of those, man. I need a Keurig or whatever it is. I'm telling you, man, instant coffee is the way to go. It's so quick. I'm <laughs> not complaining. I'm 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 from originally from London, England. We only know instant coffee. <laughs> so okay, actually, let's start from there because um, you do live in Toronto right now. Um, yeah, man. But you quite obviously have a British accent and uh, you used to live in London. So tell me a bit about your story. What was what you used to live in London? Were you born there? I was born there. I was born in the south um, of London, a place called Croydon. Um, It gets a bad reputation for being a terrible part of London. It never used to be a part of London for for folks who want to know a bit about the geography there. It used to be um, a part of a, a county called Surrey. And then they sort of engulfed it and said, this is Greater London now. This is going to be one of the boroughs of London. You know, it sounds like uh, what happened in Toronto. Because, exactly. Yeah, you know this. Like in Toronto, yeah. it used to be just the, the Toronto and, and the Yorks. And then, uh, no, not even. It just used to be Toronto. Then the Yorks got sucked into it. Scarborough got sucked into it. Etobicoke. It's exactly what happened, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I grew up there pretty much. Um I just lived there all my life, man, and, and up until university, um, moved over to Kingston University. Not Kingston, not Kingston, like, Canada, of course, or Kingston, Jamaica. A lot of people get confused. Oh, because that would be beautiful. <laughs> if you lived in Kingston, Jamaica, man. Oh, I want to go, man. I want to go. Like, You haven't been I, to Jamaica yet? No, I haven't been to any of the sort of, like, any of the Caribbean, any of South America, not a lot of America, but... Yeah, that's. I hope. Hopefully, I'll be on. I'll be talking to you about that sometime soon, though. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll tell you about where my parents lived and stayed, and where I visited, and we can we can go over that. But I'm. But it's it's sort of funny because two years ago, I was actually fleshing out a plan to move to London. What? So yeah, so I. How could you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the question I have for you. First off, is uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why why would you move from London to Toronto? I guess the reverse question, right? Uh, <laughs> I'll show you yours if you. I'll show you mine if you show me yours for sure. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's strange, man. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of similarities between like here um, and the UK. You know, just a few practical things like um, a structured healthcare system. Um, at least structured enough not to make me bankrupt if I break something, you know. Um, free education, uh, just an overall friendly, friendly family vibe about this place. And you, you, you know, if you lived here all your life, you might not feel that. Um, but you know, if you lived in other places around the world, you sort of start to know. Well, this is this is a pretty good place to like settle down, have a have a kid, and 
you know, at the time of applying for here, um, I was approaching that the big three <laughs> Um and in my in my mind, that's sort of a deadline, you know, uh, for me to start like knuckling down and like thinking about settling down and all this stuff. So, what uh, makes Toronto more family friendly than than say London? Oh, man, I don't know. It's well, I do know. I do. I don't know exactly what it is in my mind. Like, I guess if you asked me a few months ago, I'd be like, I don't know. But nowadays, it's starting to like flesh out in my head. It's it's not as densely populated, and you know, there's. It's not as segregated. Like communities here, I feel, um, are are integrated into, you know, into the this, this just the general populace. In London, I you know you still get pocket areas of of different communities. And I, I was I was speaking to someone recently um, about this, and they said they went on on vacation with a b- bunch of friends from here, and they they were wondering why why are people staring at us. And they realize it's because their group was like of mixed ethnicities. And I found that strange. And I, I just sort of thought back to myself and sort of thought back to like friendship groups in London. It's not like that. In, in At least from my perspective, you know, you'd have like groups of black friends, groups of white friends, groups of like Asian friends. But it would be rare to see a mix of those. Um, at least where I live anyway in South London, it's still so so segregated and I, I feel that's that's not the way like people say oh you know it's such a diverse place it's it's a multicultural place and it is it is but um not as not as integrated as toronto i would say yeah and i, I mean i was looking at an article and i think it said that london is the most multicultural city in the world even past new york toronto basically any other major metropolitan city london's the most multiculturally diverse and when I visited there, the one thing that I, I I actually liked was, at the very least, the diversity of food. But the <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it's kind of weird yeah. saying that because I live in Toronto and there's quite yeah. a diversity of food. But I don't know, the quality was different. I think that's what made me like it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I get. I guess it's because it's an island, right? Like lots of things get imported there. But mm. again, that's why it's multicultural because it seems like just a passing hub for travelers whereas sort of Canada's on the other end of the world and it's just sort of a stopping place I feel so I feel I don't know I think that's what it is the communities are just you know you, you know people say oh um, London's the most diverse place in the world and there's articles that say that but I feel those communities are young whereas I feel here the communities have been here several generations still um, maybe that's something to do with it who knows so you said that you lived in London up until the point that you were in Kingston University. And uh, forgive my ignorance here, but I don't know which Kingston you're talking about, if it isn't Jamaica or or, <laughs> uh, or Ontario. So which uh, where was Kingston University? It's Kingston, sorry. So it's it's still sort of bordering on London. It's still pretty much London. But yeah, just, just on the periphery of it, I guess. But yeah, I lived there for like a couple of years. And I decided to like move back home. It's like, nah, I can't believe I live in university. Seriously? Um, yeah. <clears throat> just university wasn't for me, man. Like, but it, the, I think it opened the floodgates to my traveling mind because it's only then I started to come into contact with um, people who traveled. And, and by that, I mean like foreign students. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a really high degree of foreign students, people from, you know, Filipinos from Dubai, um, South American people. I was like, whoa, whoa the hell there's lots of filipinos in the middle east i didn't even know that like i'm being an ignorant brit i guess i was like wow i didn't know there was a huge filipino community i mean forgive me for being an ignorant canadian but i didn't know that either no that's the thing (laughs) i didn't know that man i guess later on in life after like moving again there's i found so many other like different filipino communities everywhere dude it was crazy but yeah that's that's what sort of opened my mind um moving moving to university um sort of definitely definitely opened my mind to traveling and i sort of started traveling there my first place being of course being from like london and europe would be to to go to amsterdam (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i wonder why yeah just just to ride bikes and see the and frank museum yep and then the Heineken factory and then divulge into whatever 
uni students do there. Yeah, um, of course. I, don't, I mean, I couldn't imagine what they do there. So <laughs> You've been, right? Have you been? <laughs> yeah. Of course you've been. There we go. <laughs> it's so fun. It's just like, you know, it's lots of nightclubs and bars and just an overall fun time. So, actually, that brings up another question, which is, you lived in London for essentially your entire life, but you only traveled outside of England to go to Amsterdam, and that was after university? Or... No, that, was, that was during university. Or during, okay. Yeah. I, just, I find that so interesting, because it's so much cheaper to travel when you're in Europe. It's true, man. Uh Oh man, I'm looking at prices here. I'm sure you've you've tried to book flights from here, mm-hmm. and just at times of the year, and you're just like, "What? <laughs> what kind of prices are these?" But yeah, there's so many cheap flights out of out of London Heathrow, I guess. So many budget airlines that you could use. Um, you know, I flew to Morocco for like I don't know, equivalent of 120 Canadian dollars, probably less now, mm-hmm. than the pounds down. But that's insane, like 120 dollars to fly. You know, just to to North Africa and just like yeah I'm just gonna hang out in Marrakesh for a while and just for 500 bucks Canadian yeah that's like what I always found I mean that's why I wanted to stay in Europe for the entire time that I was there it was not about even just staying in the place that I was living it was about having the ability to go to other places like when I lived in in Spain I looked for tickets to everywhere not even just in Europe but in Morocco to South America and everything Every single ticket that I found was cheaper from Spain than from Canada. And I mean significantly cheaper. <laughs> of course, man. Like I said, Canada's sort of on the other end of the world, of, on, on the map anyway, it seems. Um, so it's just like, it's, it's difficult, man. I've, I've looked at places to go from here, like Cuba, like, like Jamaica, and it's just like, dude, the prices are still way more than I expected. It's, yeah. it's not that far. You know there's something wrong when to fly from Stockholm, Sweden, to Jamaica is cheaper than to fly from Toronto. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I saw a ticket because I I follow like these these flight deal Facebook pages. And I saw this ticket that was 150 euro to fly from Stockholm to Kingston, Jamaica. And I'm like, what? Like, it costs three times as much from Toronto. And they were both nonstop flights. I I was so confused. Like... It's painful to, to 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 see those prices, man. Yeah. I wanted, you know, I've only came here a year ago, but I still want to go places, you know. Um, and this is honestly, this is the longest time I've been in one place without flying back to or flying to a different place. So, and 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 the prices from here are a huge influence on that right now. So. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about those other times where you went somewhere and flew back. I know, uh, at least from my research, you've been in the Philippines and Singapore. Am I correct in that? Yeah, you are, man. That's um, it's it's funny because I was meant to be staying in Singapore, but I ended up staying a lot in the Philippines, which is where my parents are originally from. Um, but yeah, how I got about getting there was insane, man. Um, I was at I was at work one day. And um, at the time, I was selling subscriptions to a seafood publication. Not the most glamorous job in the world. So I needed to liven it up. And um, I knew that the office in Singapore had one person there, um, just just one person who'd been there for years. And, you know, her sales were dropping at the time. So I was like, I'll go there and turn it around. And I said that sort of nonchalantly over a lunch with, with my boss at the time. And he said, cool. Um, do you want to fly there Monday? And this was a Thursday, so I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm 23, so let's do this. Next thing I know, I was in I was in Singapore in in Fort Canning Hotel, like it's such a luxurious hotel in the middle of sort of Fort Canning Park. So you didn't have a job in the Philippines at this time. You just flew to Singapore and like yeah. on a whim. Yeah, pretty much within like four days of saying i'll turn i'll turn that team around i'll build a team there wow. so so such a brash like 23 year old like yeah i'm gonna do it and um ended up there on on the monday as i said and just like okay uh cool <laughs> and this four county hotel was like it on the map oh dudes if you when you go to singapore if you've been to singapore you'd know like the, on the map the hotel fort canning was 10 minutes walk mm-hmm. from the office and I thought to myself, cool, no problem, whatever, 10 minutes walk, no need to take a cab, it's fine. I, 
<laughs> coming from London, I had like tweed suits and like just just thick um thick three three piece suits, and I was like, yeah, it'll yeah. be fine. Uh, walked down from, <laughs> walked down to walked down to meet the director of the region um, from from the hotel. Um, Ten minutes walk. I came. I was wearing a blue shirt, and by the time I got to the office, because it's so hot and so humid, my shirt was translucent, and you could see my nipples, and it was embarrassing. <laughs> it was so awful, man. And they were like, "Are you okay? Are you ill? Do you have the flu?" Um, I was like, "No, um, I'm I'm here to." I'm here to start work. <laughs> I was just like, oh, jeez. Yeah, it was awful, man. It was yeah. that hot in Singapore. Like, didn't you check the weather before, or am I just... Is four that something days, that doesn't happen? Three years old, four <laughs> days to prepare. I was just like, oh, uh, I'll just... You know, I spent most of my time on social media telling people, I'll go to Singapore. Didn't, didn't research a damn thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, sounds like... Uh, Sounds like the time I went to Sweden and I didn't realize they spoke more English than Swedish, basically. <laughs> Did you feel really silly? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I remember when I first arrived to Sweden, I, I said, um, I, I found this couple and I said very slowly, excuse me, can you point me to where this street is and they're like yeah sure if you just walk up there take a left then take a right and you go through the first door then that'll be your hotel i'm like well what the f- why was i <laughs> but- <laughs> i know man i know do your research people for those listening do your research gang out there i'm telling honestly, you honestly honestly so so what happened in, in singapore after this i mean it, it couldn't have descended oh. there no man i spent um, almost two years there i say almost two years like my my mailing address was there but for the most part, I was just every other weekend, I was just traveling out to a new place and somewhere different and spent a few months in the Philippines, like moving over to Canada um, as as sort of an immigrant for the for the permanent residency process. I had to list um, places I had been like flights I had been um, and I almost couldn't. I needed to, to reach out to like my old workplace and say, hey, could you give me the flight details for this year? And I was like, that's four years ago, man. <laughs> and that was just a list of it and my girlfriend was so like angry at the time because she was like you need to get these dates exactly right because the government need to know mm-hmm. um yeah i spent two years there basically flying out and um yeah it didn't end there i mean I, I still kept that job but towards the end i just spent a few months in the philippines like just spending time with my mom's family and that was weird <laughs> um <laughs> Just be like, you know what? I'm going to turn up and uh, you haven't seen me in 18 years, but that's cool. And they just accepted me like family. And I'm not talking just about the, um, you know, just my my mom's immediate family, but mm-hmm. like yeah, the, the entire town where I stayed, Morong Rizal, like the south of the, the south of the main island there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where I stayed. And it just felt so welcoming, even as someone who doesn't speak the language i'm I'm embarrassed to say that filipino and i don't speak tagalog <laughs> oh that's honestly that's not i don't think that's embarrassing first off you were born in england secondly i didn't know this until recently but 90 percent of the population in the philippines speaks english yeah yeah buddies went there without me might i add <laughs> yeah uh, last month and, uh, <laughs> bastards they're like yeah you need to come man i was like dudes i don't need to come you can you can go on your own they're like but who's gonna translate i was like there's no need like trust me no need they speak almost perfect english i guess that's why lots of companies there have sort of call centers there Mm -hmm. english is absolutely fine the nuances are different obviously but yeah so you stayed in in the philippines for four months in singapore for almost two years but you said that you you were in singapore and then you went back to england or yeah, it's okay. It's a strange. It's a strange. It's, it's, it sounds like there's like there's like a bit of hopping around that you did there. There is. That's the thing, man. It's you know, and this was the problem with the whole PR process is because I myself could not establish a timeline of of what occurred. Uh, but I guess I'll try and attempt it now. I, I went to Singapore, traveled throughout there for work, of course, um, mm-hmm. meeting a bunch of people and and going to places like you know Japan. Indonesia, like loads of Asian places, like, um, and then my mom got ill. I flew back, and I just quit my job. I was like, "Get this," um, and that was it. I literally flew. I literally flew into the into into Heathrow, 
took a train straight into my office and was mm-hmm. just like, I quit with my with my suitcase. And it was just like such a, a freeing moment for me. And but, the, but also at the same time, like you got to understand like the feeling of just, oh, fuck, I'm not going to have an income anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to travel with work anymore. But I realized, you know, a couple of weeks later, hey, I get to travel on my own terms. I won't need to dress up in a, a suit and tie and shake people's hands or shake a Korean's hands with my left hand. That's a thing, by the way. I, I did not know that. Something else that I should have researched. With your left hand, is this like, is that that you're supposed to shake people's hands with your non-dominant hand or specifically your left hand? I don't even know why. Like, I, I just... I was just told, shake this guy's hand with your left hand. He's Korean, South Korean. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I probably should look into it. But yeah, and I'm I'm curious now myself. I mean, what happens um, if we if we ever get into a business together and do some business in Korea? We have to know how to do it. No, nah, man, just the fist bump, man. It's universal <laughs> telling you. Also more hygienic. I can have a thing for that. So like fist bump. Actually, yeah. I think there was this uh, this thing uh, in Turkey. I don't remember exactly. Oh, you know, you know the Obama, uh, yeah. the Obama hand. I think it's like where you put the thumb on the the bent index finger or something. Anyway, I think that basically means like screw you or like yeah, like yeah, in Turkey. Um, and yeah. I remember when I was in Istanbul, I was doing an Obama impression with some people that I met, and uh, somebody brought somebody brought it up. Not from Turkey, by the way. They were just like a fellow. Um, traveler and they were just like yeah you might not want to do that it's uh it's not very kind to the people of turkey i'm like what do you mean i'm, I'm impersonating obama it's not kind to the people of the united states <laughs> right <laughs> so somehow i managed to like insult both turkish people and american people at the same time beautiful beautiful thing it's great man it's great and and sort of like speaking about offending people I feel that's sort of great part of travel as well, man. Like trying not to offend people even is 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 the best thing to do. Yeah. Like did you ever get to a point where where you just sort of gave up on mm. trying to integrate into another culture because it just got so tiring? I love that question, man. And and the, the quick answer is yes, but but especially in Singapore and, and let me explain why, I guess. Um mm-hmm. when you go there um, the first time I landed there, I went to dinner with a new hire as well. Someone who wasn't going to be in my team, but like a part of my team. And I'm bringing from England. I didn't get a tan like a lot of Filipinos. Um, <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of look Chinese, I guess people would, would say. Mm-hmm. So I landed, um, I went to, to dinner with this colleague and she was, she was just talking about just the general culture in Singapore. Um, mm. And then the sort of hierarchical structure of different races there. Strange thing to hear, really. Okay. And um, she was saying how, like, Indians are seen as dirty and Filipinos are seen as, like, stupid and and sort of disgusting, like, also dirty. And while she's doing this, and she's Singaporean Chinese, while she's doing this and telling me this, she doesn't realize I'm Filipino. But also at the same time, she's chewing pork bones and placing them on the table. Ooh, very <laughs> so, classy. Yeah. So in Singapore, that's okay. That's not a faux pas. But then I just piped up and said, you know, I'm actually Filipino, right? And then she just turns around and says, oh, no, not you. You're British. I was like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Like, yeah. So like integration um, <laughs> in terms of like giving up on integration, I feel that made me want to like, not integrate even more so sort of rebel against what she's saying like you know oh you guys should these people don't integrate filipinos and indians don't integrate into singapore very well yeah just made me think you know what i'm gonna add to that because you're a racist (laughs) yep i ended up working with her for two years um (laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) that's a a great conversation to have daily (laughs) in terms of like giving up though man Mm -hmm. um I didn't even try. I didn't even try to integrate. And that's doubly so because I'm British and, you know, we just speak louder if, if we don't know the language and <laughs> just shout. And we, we generally don't try to integrate. You went to Spain, man. You must have saw a bunch of British people there just who do not speak a word of Spanish. I'm sure of it. Surprisingly not. Surprisingly Thank not. Good. Well, 
good for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting because I know in certain parts of Spain, there's quite a few British people that don't speak a word of English. I, I think it was like the island, Ibiza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I never went there. So I was very happy to say that I never experienced that because <laughs> I've, I've been told it's, it's quite annoying. Honestly, yeah, I would say so. I've never been, but I just it's just not my scene. But I find it interesting because when I I don't know how you do it, or because because your friend or your colleague there insisted that you were uh, British, and you said no, I'm Filipino. Yeah. So which it's sort of like an existential question that I come across whenever I travel. I never know never know whether to tell people I'm Canadian or I'm Jamaican. So. Man, do you do you kind of like this switch it when it's relevant to you or when it it, it serves your purpose <laughs> or do you usually stick to saying I'm British or I'm Filipino? I haven't thought about this in a long time, but it is something I thought about a lot traveling. Um, do I do it when it suits me? Probably, probably. Like in in Philippines, I'd say I'm British but also Filipino. Mm-hmm. I, I would identify um, as as British Filipino to people, I guess. Um, I'm not sure why that is. Um, I feel more British than I do Filipino, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it is a sort of existentialist question and, and one to do with sort of identity. But that's that's how I'd identify myself, just simply because um, I identify with the British culture more than I do with the sort of Filipino culture. And that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a strange thing that I feel sort of fluctuating, especially coming here to Toronto. Um, I was saying to someone the other day as well, um, you know, I didn't know there's such a f- huge Filipino community here. Um, and it's something I've not tapped into, really, or not sort of delved into in other places where there are Filipino communities. That's that's what it is, man. Like, if 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 someone was to ask me, like, where are you from? I'd probably just say say London. And then if they wanted to to discuss my sort of race, I guess that would come up too. But I guess more and more as time goes on, I'd identify myself as British. And that's really strange to say, again, out loud. <laughs> Actually, say that out loud is like very strange because um, in Singapore, uh, people would see you by your race. So I think it's really dependent on where you are. Like a multicultural city, um, not saying Singapore is not multicultural, but certainly not forward-thinking in terms of um, in terms of race. But like places like London or, or New York or, you know, even Paris, I guess, or, or here, you know, people would say, where are you from? I'd say... London, England. But if I was in somewhere like in Asia, they were they were really hell bent on knowing what type of Asian you are. You know, I feel that's yeah that that's it's one of the most racist places I've been, Singapore. And that's I would say that out loud to any Singaporean, and I'm sure they'd agree um, because there's there's still that hierarchical structure that you know people of lighter and fairer skin are are better. Was that like the only? bout of racism that you experienced in singapore or was there more besides the colleague that told you about the hierarchy i can't pinpoint many um if i must really, which is fuck it's, it's it's great it's that's fantastic like but for for me to land there and for that to be solidified in my mind that was that was probably the most prominent one and the most obvious one. But mm-hmm. I'm sure there was sort of like microaggressions there, particularly when I tell people I was Filipino, even leading a team of, of young Singaporean um, people um, for them to say, oh, you're, Filip- you're Filipino in like such a derogatory way. Like, mm-hmm. I sh- what should I be? You know, <laughs> <laughs> did you want me to fake and say I was Chinese or what? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like. They they didn't expect someone to manage them who was Filipino because people who are Filipino there um, they would see as as maids and it's funny I had it's funny I had a maid too there and she was Indonesian so I I don't know that's 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 their thinking you know anyone who's not Singaporean Chinese is lesser unless they're white wow because <laughs> so, yeah because I used like I used different denominations of my own ethnicity depending on where I am. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And it really depends on the conversation we're having too. Uh, and and also basically how much they push because my accent says that I'm American or yeah. or or from Toronto or Ontario. While my skin color obviously says I'm I, I could be from those places but I have some sort of either Caribbean or African heritage. So uh <laughs> I recall a few times at least where uh, 
somebody would be like, oh, I love reggae music. I'm like, really? I'm Jamaican. <laughs> I would jump in because like, I was like, yes, that's like my end to start, to start talking and, and socializing with people, which was really the goal. And even like, I do listen to a lot of reggae music, obviously, but uh, it's always fun to just jump in and, and be able to switch that. Yeah. In the end, though, it, it it sort of comes down to what you said, which is, I'm a, I'm a Jamaican Canadian, where the Canadian comes first. Yeah, because you identify with it. But that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, you know, being born in in the West, I guess, or of places that like like dominantly speak English, for example. Um, but being of color, it's is a great opening for travel like it's it's you find like you said if someone says oh i like reggae it's it's an opening for connection and i feel i feel i feel where we have a unique position and a unique power to 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 use and to to take advantage of you know if someone says oh i thought you were chinese and then that that starts a conversation it was like oh you're filipino but you're british and that starts a conversation and it's it's that it's that just traveling and even just sitting on planes talking to people um, like oh why you're flying to China like me flying to China um, to a seafood exhibition and and just um, the airline hostess on Air China speaking to me in, <laughs> in Chinese ah, yes. just looking like super confused um, it's like no I just don't understand um, and the same thing this, this is the thing I swear I'm the Asian everyman because I went to see a friend in. Um, in Osaka, Japan, he was teaching there. And we were just rolling rounds on bikes, of course, being Japan. Um, just ended up getting some katsu curry. Of course, you know, just the standard things. Of course, yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> just, uh, standard. <laughs> yeah, just totally standard things. Just riding through, a, you know, past a rice field along the ocean, really weird. Um, and then going to stop at this katsu curry place, like a real just little hole in the wall. And then for them to turn to me and ask me what I want, and not ask him at all because he's half Filipino, half Ghanaian. So he's he looks like like he's a six foot black guy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, for for the Japanese people to start speaking to me in Japanese um, and asking me for my order, um, <laughs> for him to start speaking like really freak them out. <laughs> this Japanese like chef was or this Japanese um, you know waiter was just like uh, okay and still tried to address me and i was like i i don't speak japanese and they don't speak english so it's just the most confusing time and us rolling around japan going to kyoto literally everywhere we went to for them to address me as if i was the sort of native speaker very confusing but did you end up teaching yourself japanese in the end or at least learning a bit of it so you could play the part i think <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think we established at the start of this that being British means I'm not going to try and learn anything. I'm just going <laughs> to speak louder English until someone hears me. But that was the general theme of Asia. No matter where I went to, people would start speaking to me in whatever language the country spoke. And um, yeah, I just ended up being the, the sort of Asian everyman. I guess that's why my company sent me there in the first place, right? <laughs> you, yeah, you definitely fit right in. There's no, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> we all look the same. I get it. It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> Very smooth, man. Very smooth. But uh, you, you lived in Singapore. You stayed in the Philippines, England. Came to Toronto. Out of all of this, um, I, when I was doing my research, I found you know quite a bit of this information. But something that I also found was the recurrence of the word entrepreneur and you. Those two things seem to be almost directly attached together. Your name and entrepreneur. Where are you finding this information, TT? Well, huh? <laughs> before before I even get there and tell you my sources, before, I'll, I'll die before I tell you my sources, <laughs> but uh, entrepreneurship, yeah. what, what does it mean to you? I feel like with people who, who start university and then don't, and then choose not to complete it, they go on to this sort of entrepreneurial venture. And okay. I, and I feel like that's the same thing that happened with you, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So tell me, no. what does the word entrepreneur mean to you? And is is that something that you want to pursue in the future? Hmm. I mean, I did finish uni, but it was with Ooh. a 2-3. So 
Um, not exactly with flying colors, <laughs> um, but pretty much the same thing. It did lead me on to sort of hustling, I guess. I think that's where that's um, where the sort of hustle started. Um, and in a roundabout way, um, it sort of started from, from people of, of different cultures um, at my university needing things from where they were from. So, you know, um, just even basic things. I, I love food, man. And just, um, you know, having a lot of Spanish friends in university and then for say, oh, where can we get some paella? Where can we get some real tapas? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and then for me to take them to a shoddy place like La Tasca, which is like a chain, and for them to be like, man, this this ain't it. For them just to look at me with disappointment. Yeah. But that's where it started. I, I just felt like, you know, providing... Um, a service to people was was a was a great way to make money because it made people happy and it made me happy making people happy and that's where it sort of sparked off i guess it it may have started off in in the younger time doing some more unsavory things you might want to edit that one out but <laughs> yeah, oh i will <laughs> that's that's where it sort of started um and and for for people to say i'm an entrepreneur i don't know i i wouldn't consider myself that uh, that's it, it's such a broad term you know everyone and their their dog seems to want to be have, open an e-commerce store or or create the next uber or like uberize something mm-hmm. but you know that's that's not who i am yet i think that's what i aspire to be and for for people to say that i am an entrepreneur um that's very flattering but in, until i see a massive change in my life and a massive success i wouldn't call myself that so do you think of yourself more as a salesperson then because people tend to get the two conflated yeah you know um, i i would say i leaned more towards that um mm-hmm. definitely more more of a salesperson at this point you know because I, i've helped people build their businesses with either just sweat equity or, or investment money um but yeah that's that's where i sort of am right now uh, but to be the star in my own show as it were um to be to live the true nomadic traveler um traveler life where i'm just like earning residual income from like passive passive places that's yet to be seen man that's yet to be seen and i'm still interested to t- tell you like ask you who who, who called me an entrepreneur <laughs> who is this who okay this? so i was uh i mean i don't like disclosing my sources so Okay. They're gonna they're gonna hate me for saying this, but it was Google. It was it was all Google. I oh, I, I went on Google. I typed in your name, and uh, Google's never gonna give me another source again. Thanks a lot. But uh, <laughs> I I looked up your name, and and I saw one of the first articles I saw uh, was the the Shoreditch Entrepreneur. <laughs> like I was almost surprised. That when I looked up your name on Google and I looked at Google Images, the second image wasn't of you. It was of a jar. Okay. Just a jar. Just a, an empty jar. And I was wondering why. And so Shoreditch Air for Sale is actually called Cassis's Brilliant Job Pitch 2 dot 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 blah blah blah. Like, yeah. what? What? <laughs> what? What are we talking about here? That was the last Oh, man. This kind of loops back to to your first question or one of your first questions where you said to me, why did you move to Canada? Like, why Mm -hmm. not London? Um, A huge part of this is is on that site, um, shoreditchair.co.uk. Check it out. Check out the blog um, at some point. But you start to realize when reading those articles about me, um, it was was obviously a PR stunt to, to land a job in Canada. I was in... I was in London at the time. Uh, I just got permanent residency. Uh, my girlfriend had a job waiting for her. Um, I just felt like a bum. I was just doing nothing. I was I was waiting around, um, you know, trying to work on various projects to some extent. Um, and I was like, well, what do I do? Um, and I saw this application, and um, I just I thought to myself, man, how am I going to get their attention for anything? Um, if I'm here in London. So I was like, you know what? <sighs> going to have to go viral. I actually said it to myself. I actually just took a deep breath just like that. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to have to just, I'm just going to have to make an ass out of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I started this this website, um, Bottling Air, um, of various parts of London where 
I felt the gentrification was going on. So what's happening in London now, and I guess in a lot of Toronto is, um, everywhere looks the same pretty much. Like mm-hmm. the Caribbean communities in, in Brixton, South London, um, you know, and, and the same and the sort of North Africans, um, and, and West Africans in, in sort of East London from like Shoreditch, those communities are sort of dying out and they're getting replaced by Whole Foods and <laughs> and these like um, inflated coffee price uh, um, price um, coffee places, things like that. It's just just generally being gentrified. You know, young people are moving in um, and inflating rent prices there. And I just thought, well, why not make fun of this by bottling the air while while we still have these communities in these areas mm-hmm. and. Um, <laughs> Um, I sent it out to a few. I just, I just sneakily messaged people on Facebook, um, actual um, news outlets, but like, oh, this is hilarious. Um, this guy is making fun of gentrification, selling air. Um, obviously, there was me, but I sent <laughs> it out to the news sources like Daily Mail, places like that. And I had a few friends in, in the publishing industry um, who knew other people in the publishing industry who'd report on it, and it sort of blew up from there. Trended on Facebook, on Twitter, um, ended up on national news, man. Um, the great thing is the timing was brilliant. Um, everyone thought it was a, a prank, and I guess in a way it was. But I ended up selling selling a, a jar of air. <laughs> wow! One <laughs> yeah. whole jar. <laughs> One whole jar. Uh, I guess that wasn't the purpose of it, but mm-hmm. hey, I made some money for it. I guess, but that's what happened. That's that's who I became. I became a PR stunt guy for for a job. <laughs> it's it's quite sentimental actually to think about that i mean going back to this the the conversation about gentrification taking place you are right it's taking place quite a lot in toronto and it's not going to slow down i think i think there's quite a few too many people that think that this housing these housing prices that are going up right now that it's just a bubble i think they're wrong (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, you could take, you could even take a look at, um, at other cases. Like, look at New York City. People thought that that was a bubble when the housing prices was ri- were rising, but nope, that kept on going up and up. And now condos are eighteen million dollars U.S., which is like four hundred and fifty million Canadian. It's it's ridiculous, uh, but. It's it's happening in in London too, you know. Like, uh, it's, everywhere, man. It's everywhere. everywhere. It's uh, it's quite. I don't want to say unfortunate because it is capitalism at work, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, you you can't really do much about it, and it it really does affect. No. The, I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about you know um, gentrification in small pockets of of a city and. You know, on a wider scale, I guess you could say, oh, maybe that's just globalization and the sort of Americanisms of things. And yeah, it's for sure, it's definitely consumerism. But, you know, that the whole global, globalism idea that, you know, that whole notion of globalism bringing people closer together, I feel really affects the way people think in terms of, of travel. And actually, I feel it makes people more ignorant, you know, and, you know, we have like you said, a diverse amount of food here. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing. <laughs> one of the most important things, at least to, to <laughs> me and you. Um, you know, and I feel, you know, people would go out to to the East, you know, and like, oh, I'm going to get some Ethiopian food and be like, yeah, I know Ethiopian food now. Um, but to actually just go there and actually, not that I've been to Ethiopia, I, I want to. Um, mm-hmm. I feel people confuse the two, you know, for for them to say, oh yeah, I know Ethiopian food, I know Chinese foods, I know this, I know this culture, but never having to actually been there um, is is sad, really. It's sad, and it, it stop. I think I feel it stops people from traveling because they're like, oh, what's what's Qingdao, China like? Oh, okay, it has some beaches and some seafood, and instead of actually going there, you know, and mm-hmm. and having to go to a restaurant where you pick a crab out and a fish out and they put it in a net and smash it against the floor. You know, you're not going to find that on the internet or you might, but you know, you, you wouldn't even imagine that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, your mind for, for, for you to Google it. So I feel this whole gentrification and globalization is actually hurting people's um, aspirations of travel rather than sort of um, urging them on to do so. Um, I don't know. I'm, 
that's just my my take on it, I guess. But I, I feel it, you know, just being on being online sort of makes you feel as if you're connected um, to the world when there's a whole world out there, man. As you as you and I have experienced, and you need to taste it and smell it and touch it and hear it firsthand, you know. And that is the case, uh, at least somewhat. But I also I, f- I feel that I feel that that sort of gentrification, capitalism, all that stuff coming together also helps travel. Because number one, uh, we do complain about the pricing of airlines and air and flight tickets. But yeah. in history, we think back to the 1950s, you know, right after the yeah. Second World War, for example, getting a flight to go somewhere easily oh, yeah. would be would insane. A nightmare. Yeah, it would be an absolute nightmare. And uh, thankfully, there's enough competition, just enough just enough competition that we can actually have the we can at least afford to travel at the very minimum once per year if if you manage your money right right yeah sure. and you can go and it's not like you can just go to like the city next to you but you can go to countries and, and continents that you would never even think about going to if if it were any other time in the world like thankfully the airplane the the commercial jet exists and it's it's not only that either, but also it, I, I I kind of disagree with what you say, in terms enough, of uh, in terms of what you said about the multiculturalism within mm-hmm. a city speaking for the multiculturalism uh, of the country. Like for example, with the the whole Ethiopian food example, yeah, yeah. having it so that if if people get like a taste of it in their own city, that they think that's it. I do think that that people understand that there's there's definitely more to a, a place than than what is offered in their immediate uh, what's uh, what's yeah, offered in their immediate cool. purview like what's around them the the question really comes down to is it worth it for people to travel to those other places and that's the thing man right that's, it's just me being cynical i guess oh but. no no it's, it's it's you're totally open to have an opinion and be cynical about it <laughs> <laughs> i'm british man i'm telling you i'm fully british fully I, cynical <laughs> i could i could hear it and and yeah it's it's um it's I think we live in one of the best times ever right now to go traveling. And yeah. it was something a friend told me recently. Uh, he he went to, to Turkey um, uh, maybe eight months ago. And I asked him, why are you going to Turkey? This was like, this was around the time where the, I believe, I believe uh, Istanbul's airport was bombed. And I asked him, why are you going? And he said, I don't want to miss out on what Turkey is right now for worry of what Turkey could be in the future. He's like, I already made that mistake with Syria. Now I can't go to Syria. So I want to go to Turkey now before anything happens to it. And so he was predicting all of this, like this, you know, this political, uh, these political issues that are taking place right now within Turkey, you know, the referendum and, and things like that. Um, and it just went, it kind of like opened my eyes and made me realize like nothing stays the same as much as you want for the world to stay the same, or maybe not depends on who you are, but as much as you would, you would want that things continuously change and you never know when something will happen. So going to travel now is the best time because you don't know what's, what that country is going to be in a year or 10 years or exactly. 20 years. And so uh, I think in combination with, with the cheaper costs of flying uh, more lenient vacation times thankfully for uh, for a fair amount of working people and the fact that things might not exist in five to ten years oh, and this man. is this is cynical right <laughs> this is kind of cynical but no, you can't predict the future true, though you know just that's why people should get out there more and that's that's why we have great conversations about our travels you know just because those these places exist now so it's a get out there um rather than just going downtown to to grab some Turkish food. Just get out to Turkey. Um, yeah. Like, try out the Turkish food. Seriously, for anyone listening, yeah. oh, man. can you go to Istanbul and go get some Turkish food? Like, the, oh, my God, the baklava. It's just, oh, it's, it's I, amazing. Spent, I spent six hours there because my flight was delayed on the way back. Mm. Um, and they literally just, like, drove us in a taxi to the hotel. And that's all I saw of it, man. I just, like, looking out the window, like, please let me out. But... <laughs> That's one place I want to go to, man. See, now this whole chat has got me itching for travel again. And that's what I love about this, man. 
it's what I love about talking to other travelers, you know, it just it sort of excites me more. No doubt. Well, I mean, it's about coming up to that hour. So I have one more question for you. Yeah, you just said that you're itching to travel again, but what's your next destination? What's my next destination? Um, other than home, because I still need to pick up some stuff. Um, probably Cuba, man. I don't know much about it. I probably won't research it. As I've mentioned earlier, I'm not one for doing that. I'm just going to turn up. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I, probably Cuba, man. Like, I'm going to skip over America for now. You know, I've heard a lot of things about Canadian citizens um, getting denied entry. Um, and it was funny. We we're going to drive over to, you know, just to, I don't know, New York or Detroit, somewhere, mm -hmm. um, just over the border. And we thought, Maybe we should hold off on that, you know, just looking at the, the front page of paper saying Canadian citizens got denied entry. And my girlfriend's brown, man. Like, she's Indian, so, or British Indian, even. And um, I don't think America's good right now. So I'm going to skip over that, head over to Cuba, maybe somewhere in the Caribbean, even that, you know, that general area, South America, maybe even Mexico. <laughs> You should One try of it. those, man. I'm looking out. I'm looking for it, man. Let me know when you're traveling. I will, and keep your eyes open for for anything, uh, for any deals that come across. Obviously, you know the places <laughs> to look, um, and you'll need them because, like we said before, travel in Canada is not cheap. But thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was it was a pleasure talking to you, and thanks for teaching me about the intricacies of Asia, especially Singapore. I might have to talk oh, to a few of my Singaporean friends about uh, their opinion on this. I would love to meet them too because I want to still hash this out. I, I, <laughs> I, I, have, I have a beef with Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> the entire country. Watch out, Singapore. <laughs> Carl Cassis is coming for you with his bottled air from London. I promise. <laughs> oh, man. That's a bottled air. Eh? Dude, awesome. I, I appreciate this, man. Um, dude, let's go for a drink sometime. I don't know if you're still recording, but let's go for a drink sometime. Absolutely. Let's let's get a drink. Um, There's things I can't say on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I get you on again and we could talk about those unspoken things. <laughs> oh, dude, it's been amazing, man. And if you're interested in hearing more episodes, stay tuned and subscribe. The Small World Podcast is now available on iTunes, 